Three, two, one, confess. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Three, two, one. Opening. Air table. It's like real warm here. Yesterday, I think it was over 90 degrees in the shop itself. That's like, what do we got? That's 32 degrees in down under. It's pretty warm. That is pretty warm. Anything over 30 is uncomfortable in my book. Yeah, same here. Mm. It's supposed to be, we have part of our crazy this week is we have like a maker's fair market thing on the weekend, which is going to be fun, but it's always just a lot of stress getting everything ready. And it's supposed to be 101 that day. And we're going to be outside the entire day under like a tent. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out how to survive that without having yeah. Ricky quit on me or something. Yeah, that's pretty hot. 38. Yep. Wow. I'm just kind of, I don't, I'm trying to debate whether anybody's going to come. We're pretty fair weather people in the Northwest. Mm. I don't know. A maker fair is in what, what sort of mix of people will be there? Mostly more Sells. handmade things. We're kind yeah. of maybe on the edge of acceptable, I suppose, since we use CNCs to make most of our stuff. But I mean, we'll have the knack wall there. I think I mentioned that last yes. time, like trying to get that out there so that hopefully be able to sell it and have people like play with it a little bit more hands on than prior. We did like, hey, look at it and just someday this will be available. Now my challenge is to like actually have prices and be able to have people hopefully if we can like work out all the kinks of figuring that out, like actually basically pre-order it for like local delivery or pickup. That's my hope. Yeah. So that's exciting. Awesome. Yeah. And do you, have you done this fair before? Yeah. So we did, it's happens at different times of the year. So we did one that was like a winter market version, but it was out in like our, one of our lumber pliers (laughs) warehouse because it was COVID too. So like nobody really wanted to be inside anywhere. So that was where we showed, I think I put a time lapse of putting together the knack wall last time. And that was, that's right. Yeah. That was that one. We ended up finding out that people thought that the Chemex rests were like actually a product rather than like me just thinking like, hey, maybe somebody will like this. <laughs> so that was kind of nice. Yeah, cool. And we had a bunch yeah. of those. Yeah. I remember when we used to do markety things, I used to very much enjoy the engagement with people. Yeah. Like conversations, having to sort of explain your products in person to someone who's never seen them before. Yes. All of that stuff I found really valuable. I found them utterly useless from a sales perspective, though, as a rule, and often came away thinking I just lost a whole day or more, depending on, you know, how much prep went into it. Yeah. Yes, it was fun, and I had some good conversations, but whatever. And it was always really hard to tell what the, re- the overflow return was of how many of those people then re-engaged with the business mm-hmm. later date or in the, the weeks after that. Did you find... If I hear what you're saying, did you, you never like turned a profit on the the event and all the things leading up? Yeah. That's what I always nah, feel like happens. Like never. it's kind of, we were walking around like a vintage flea markety thing when we were on vacation. Hey, Ricky's going to make a, a show. Hey, I'm doing the podcast. Oh, guest, guest appearance. Right. Hey, Ricky. <laughs> That's Ricky. He was out running some errands. And I said to my wife, I was like, do you, I bet, you know, what's, what's the situation here is none of these people that sell stuff in these little booths make any money. They just, it's like a storage unit, basically. It's like they're paying to keep their stuff in these places. And then the house makes, you know, a decent amount of profit every month because all they need to do is sell floor space, like a storage unit, Mm. which is very popular in America. People put their stuff in storage. And it just hit me finally. I was like, oh, yeah, there's no way that each of these little vendors is selling enough that they're making a profit. Mm. 
Yeah, I think look, yeah, not to be pessimistic, but I think those markets were important to us at one point. Yeah. As we were building the brand and getting our name out there, definitely. They were certain, yeah. They were definitely useful, I think, from a brand building sort of perspective. Yeah. I always find that feeling of, which we've talked about a lot in the last, like the last time we did it and now this time, I just, I think about like putting myself in the place of a customer walking up and going like, it's a pretty, you know, pretty big ask for somebody to like, maybe they're thinking, of, I'll, I'll buy a cutting board or like some, you know, lip balm or like something more like, I don't know, easy to just purchase off the whim. And I know it's a big ask for them to go, hey, what do you, what do you think about a storage system for your house? You know, yeah. that goes on your wall. <laughs> I'm just kind of hoping to get some conversations. One of my goals was to be able yeah. to potentially get people's feedback and have them physically play with it and see, like, what would you put on this? What would a kit be ideal to you? And kind of, like, capture that. Totally. Yeah. Bit of market research. That'd yeah, exactly. And if we happen to sell a yeah. couple, then sweet. Yeah, just get eyeballs on it. Yeah. Get it out into the world. Talk about it. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. How are things going for you? You make me miss markets now. Mm. Damn you. Damn you. You could you could start a market of your own. The butter market. Constant Instagram posts with low engagement. Yes. Lower and lower engagement every time you post. It's fun. It's a different vibe, isn't it? Oh, tell me about it. Amazing. I'm good. Had a good week. Uh, good. After recording last week, we had our workshop improvement day, which is coming around really fast at the moment possibly too fast, too regularly. There was a bit of chatter last week about like, do we actually need to do this every month or can we do it on a sort of as-needs basis? Mm, Yeah. Uh, But I've been dedicating my workshop improvement days to shooting, like photography as kind of a dedicated clean day just to shoot new photos, Mm -hmm. which I really like the rhythm of that. So I'd like to stick to a monthly shoot even if we shift the, the lean day out a little bit. But had a good shoot last week, new products. Yeah, no and kidding. You've been pumping out a lot of photos for products. Yeah, I think, typically, I come away from those days with about six or 700 shots, most of which are rubbish. And yep. then I slowly pick through them over the following weeks and pick out a handful of decent stuff. But sure. no, it was really it was good. And the guys had a pretty good day in the workshop, getting things further along and improved. Cool. It was good. And yeah, been a good week. There's a few big sort of structural changes happening here at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, we had our, well, not quite annual. We haven't been in the program that long, but I think we're about 10 months into this business coaching program. We had our kind of progress review last week, ah. also on Thursday. Yep. So Sarah, our business manager, came to Castle Maine for the day. She's usually working in Melbourne. Okay, yeah, yeah. And we, she hung out here and we had our progress review. It was good, very positive. And our coach was basically like, you guys are doing really well, but you're mm-hmm. being too too modest. You need to think bigger. And his push is like, I think he thought our, our profit goal was a bit cute. He's like, oh. come on, guys. Oh. <laughs> Profit or revenue? This, uh, well, both same, interrelated, same. of yep. course. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, 
Well, it's like, Sorry. it's got to be one of those things, any type of coach, right? It's like your basketball or soccer coach where they're never going to be happy. If they were, you would probably be like, all right, you're not a very good coach. We're done with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. What <laughs> New am therapist. I, what am I paying you for? <laughs> We've done everything. Um, progress review complete. Having doubted it at times and had cold feet many times over the last 10 or 11 months, feeling really positive about having been doing that. I think it's been a really positive step for us overall. It's just you that participates, right? No, Sarah and I. Oh, Sarah, sorry, yes. We both do it, yeah. Yeah, I'm very jealous of that. i got to find something like that here because I feel that just chatting with a couple of friends about business things and I just constantly have that feeling of like, I need what you've described, like somebody to, I have another, one of my friends was like, they literally tell me like, don't worry about this, you know, situation or that situation, like keep moving forwards with this. Ricky's great to chat with, but you know, he doesn't sit around and think about the things I do all day. Yeah. And so yeah. just somebody to help focus those thoughts a little bit more. Too many ideas usually is the problem. Mm. Yeah. I highly recommend something along yeah. those lines. Maybe I'll um, stop talking about it and do it sometime. <laughs> but yeah, that, that progress further, handing off responsibilities of mine um, and trying to get a bit more clarity around who does what in the business. I feel like over the last year, we've had quite a lot of overlap, mm. which can be seen as inefficient in terms of who's responsible for what. So in what is a fairly big move, I've, I've handed off HR to Sarah. Ooh. So... Nice. <laughs> Which feels massive. Like not that it's not that it's a great deal of time in yeah. a week, but it's a great deal of headspace. Oh yeah. Does that include like uh, like you said mentioned you mentioned recruiting, like that kind yeah. of thing? Not just like yeah, nice. Yeah, recruiting. Um, you know. I think it'd be really good having Sarah in that role because she'll actually have time for you know, things like finishing the induction documents that we've never finished and having an onboarding, a solid onboarding process. And mm -hmm. so when we do like, we're not hiring at the moment, but when we do all of that, all of those systems will be in a much better place. Um, yeah, for sure. And even just little things like actually calling the people back who email us <laughs> looking for work and just like, they tend to sit in the inbox and I get to them eventually, but yeah, I'm Sam. Pretty, uh, pretty loose with that stuff. Sam. So, yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, for sure. That sounds great. Oh, meesh. That's good. How's your week? I just get stressed out. Uh, not to go back to the Maker's Fair thing, but I just get stressed out. I want to do really, want it to pay off and, you know, in financial sense would be ideal, but, you know, accomplishing like some of the small goals we have. And then I always feel like I'm just like not quite prepared for it as it gets closer and closer. So that's <laughs> in my mind. And I'm doing the other thing. It's newish for my normal is I'm making a rather large part for uh, a local client that we do some repeat work for and out of aluminum that is. And um, mm. it entails taking off what have basically been permanent fixturing vices on the mill. <laughs> and I think honestly, Andy put those on, dialed them in. I don't know that I've dialed a vice in yet. I, I know the process. I just haven't done it. So I have to both take them off and then put one back on to finish it. So I'm like, am I sure it has to come off? And I like tried to find a way to put both vices on <laughs> to hold the part. But 
I bought one Kurt Vice. One came with the machine. I thought they were close enough to the same. And they actually are in just different generations. And so they don't align in their like Y axis. They're like a little bit off. So you can't yeah, use them in, right. in tandem unless they're, you're using Damn. only one face, which I need to move them because it's so big. But anyway, yep. it's been like, it's like I go out there and stare at it for a while and I'm like, hmm, now that won't work. And then I like move the jaw faces in the new position. Oh, that'll work. And then I like I went out there and put the piece in there and it's like, oh, it doesn't align. And so just had to like work backwards <laughs> to like figure out how to do it and then ask some friends like can i just put the metal right on the table like is that all right and they're like yeah i just don't cut the table and i'm like well yeah i mean i get that <laughs> get that part to. try not to cut my tables i you know i enjoy that challenge it's like when enough of those things hit at the same time you're like all right one of these challenges has to be resolved soon here and mm. i have to finish that part today so not a big cool. deal i don't think you're saying you've never put a, a- Big bit of carbide through your shop saber table. Oh, I have. Yeah. I'm the only one, <laughs> I believe, that's cut the phenolic table. I think yeah. I'm surprisingly, I would have expected somebody else to have by now. Um, yeah, I think I'm the same. I think I'm the culprit when it comes to the big gouges in our aluminium bed. Or we just don't hear about it, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> Ricky had a bandsaw blade. We've been keeping the lights off in the shop. We have a couple skylights because it's so warm. And I was walking by and he had changed the bandsaw blade and like brought that back there to, you know, bundle it back up. And it was sitting on the table, big thing, 111 inches. Mm. And it just reflected in a weird way. And I thought that there was a giant circle cut into the phenolic. <laughs> I just stopped. I was like, Rick, Ricky, I thought you cut into the table. It's just a blade. And he's like, he started laughing at me. He's like, nope. Would have told you about that. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm just seeing things now. I've never done much with vices at all, uh, mm-hmm. but I do love the look of the Datron interface in terms of. Oh yeah, you've seen that stuff like the part alignment with the camera. We can just so like good drag gestures around, like probe this corner, and then this is the stock envelope or whatever. However, it works. It looks fantastic. Yeah, it looks like the I, our friend Nick. I think it's Polonowski. I've learned a lot machining from him. I you just he'll answer any question I have about Mills, super nice guy, mm, and cool. he just got a Datron, and that thing is Oof. fantastic to watch work. Yeah, so fast and like the. I I think where it's appealing to maybe people like us too is 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 really the touchscreen's great, the probing's great, it's fast, but it has vacuum in it too. Like they have vacuum yeah. plates. Those cards are so cool. Yeah, I've always been intrigued by that VAC card stuff, mm-hmm. how it works. I was messaging Nick about this project I'm doing right now. He's like, well, how long, when do you need it done by? And I was like, oh, like Wednesday. And he's like, oh, shoot. Yeah, I could have it. I could make that for you so fast. And I was like, yeah, but I got this machine <laughs> that like I need to learn how to use really well. I know your Daytron could do it in like three seconds. Not even need yeah. a second fixture. But yeah, I think it's good. I feel... I did, unfortunately, just break a tool right before this. I don't know. I think I uh, must have had a it too deep. I was making a little fixture for the second op, but it is very satisfying when you get something made on it still. It's like, wait, it's, it, I think it's because it's so common that the router isn't as satisfying but to, to do, but it's like something about cutting metal into very precise shapes. It seems hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can imagine that would be a good feeling. How do you go with tool selection on the mill? Like... I wouldn't really have a clue where to start if I was tooling up a mill. 
Nick was super helpful once again. Yeah, he yeah. he sent me his tool list because I was I had the same question. I asked like three or four people. I was like, where would you buy tools from? Because I don't know if you have this problem there, but there's this like silly thing that still exists where you have to like buy from a brand will exist and then you can't buy from them directly. You have to buy from somebody, yeah. some dealer. And I was like, wait, there are some brands that let you just buy direct. So I kind of went that way. It was like, I use some decent amount of Maritool stuff. And then we have a local tooling vendor that I have started to lean on more and more, which is great. It's like, hey, guy Mm. that I talked to there, like, (laughs) uh, I'm going to cut this and I need this much cut. And he's like, all right, here's two tools to choose from. And I'm like, yes, so easy. Yeah, nice. Yeah, leaning on vendors is good. So good. When you get get a decent relationship going. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think John, John's got a couple of tooling reps now that he talks to regularly. I've been getting more custom tools made because they're not that expensive. Um, yeah, like right. When we yeah. need a specific profile or like the thread mill that we use on the pencil sharpener. Yep. We used to just buy that on Amazon from the States and it would take weeks to get here and it's quite expensive. And because I literally couldn't find an Australian tool vendor that sold a single point thread mill. Yeah. And we've since, I don't know if they've arrived yet, we've commissioned custom ones cool. from an Australian vendor. You found, you found so yeah, yeah. Custom thread mills ground from solid carbide, and Ooh. they were cheaper than buying the ones from the States. So <laughs> That's amazing. We'll see. Nice. Yeah. Good work. Hopefully they work, but one custom tool for our iMac bases, and it's not like complicated, but it's a few hundred bucks because we only have one of one. Yeah. It's just solid three quarter inch carbide that's like five or six inches long. So it's and mostly it felt oh, like you're just paying for the carbide in that situation. Except for the draft angle. Yeah. Those yeah. Parts. yeah just nice. makes them buttery smooth compared to a bunch of step Ooh. downs. Uh, does that mean you're just like finishing that draft in yep, one yep. shot? Ooh, tasty. Yeah. Do you rough it out in a step? Uh huh. It's like, like a, a giant three quarter inch rougher. Well, I mean, that the collection of tools used for that. Oper- those are a set of operations were probably the most expensive tool sets I've ever bought for anything, but it meant going from like 10 minutes of per, per product to like three minutes of machining, yeah. you know? So you spend a thousand dollars on tooling, which seems like a ton of money, but, and it's a lot of them, we reuse those tools all except for the custom tool. Like all of them, we use that roughing tool all the time. That was like $300, but yeah, yeah. they go a long way if you look after them. Even if you don't look after them, we've got we've got a three flute half inch uh, rougher that we've had for probably like five or six years, and still going. Cuts it does. We we, we have a contract to machine this acoustic um, wood wool product yeah. that comes out of Sweden. Yeah, that's kind of this pulped timber acoustic treatment we've been using the same tool on that for i reckon we had it in timber production previously and then we got that contract so we've probably been using it for like four years yeah yeah you know just thousands upon thousands of parts and still it like feels blunt but it still does does good job that that's been shocking on that note for me how long tools last in aluminum particularly like, it, yeah. I would have never guessed yeah, yeah. they last Amazing. this long. And I've been using a rougher. It's like it's a three eighths inch rougher three flute. I think I'm on the first or second one since I got the machine. And it's just it just keeps going. Like, I look at it every yeah. once in a while. I like I expect it to be chipped like a compression cutter or something. And like, yeah. it's fine. 
okay. <laughs> Just keep going. Yeah. Awesome. I guess cutting plywood probably generates a lot more heat heat than a coolant fed. I guess. Mill, right? That's an interesting yeah. quandary. I don't know. I mean, obviously you can you can really like optimize I think the way that the chips are formed, I feel like in aluminum, mm. whereas at yeah. some point the wood breaks and turns into a dust or like something yeah. else. So that may may be true. Yeah, I remember my sort of broke my brain a little bit in a good way when started using fusion, which was around the same time that I started kind of really understanding like feed per tooth and chip load and stuff like that. Yep. yep. And I remember like cutting some aluminium and pulling a chip off the table and going, Oh, if I measure the thickness of that chip, it should kind of compute to the like Oh wow, yeah, yeah. Feed per tooth in fusion. I was like, oh wow, it measures the same of what it should be. <laughs> Amazing. That's crazy you say that. I've never thought of it that way, but that's a great learning tool to like train somebody with. Like, cause I, that mm. inch per tooth or whatever you call it, feed per tooth is a confusing thing to discuss with somebody that's learning. Mm. I remember going through that with a couple. That's a great, yeah, you just should try it, see if it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to do with plywood, but even, with, <laughs> yeah. even, even with timber, the logic still kind of applies. Let me go measure if some aluminum can, chips. Yeah. I mean, you can't do it with the baby pants cause all that dust is just gone <laughs> forever. Can't, you can't measure. Yeah. You can't, there's no more. We also compact your dust for you. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's got a, like a briquette make yeah. in line. Yeah. It's right. beautiful. <laughs> it's going too far with the, the baby part of that. <laughs> it's compacting for you. Take, uh, uh, so my confession is one after 14 months of working on CAD files to make my own cabinets for our kitchen renovation. My wife, my wife convinced me to buy IKEA cabinets. Yes. So we have it. It's so shockingly cheap. Like I know it's like particle board with melamine. It's not heritage quality materials. But my word, it was like I think last, like basically this time last week, she asked me like for real. She's been asking me jokingly for a long time, and I kept going like kind of full of like you know pride like no i'm making our cabinets you know like i have the machines i can do it and i've been banging my head against how to make them really dynamically in fusion and there are a multitude of ways i could straight up you know have them done right now but i was i kept trying to push it farther and farther like be able to like have <laughs> different thing different features and yeah, yeah it's about a, about maybe wednesday last week and she Ask me again, because it's just, you know, we would like it done. And she finally had added it all to a cart. This is the this is the turning point. And it was like just like less than the material I was going to use for finished cabinets delivered. And I was like, (laughs) and then she's like, yeah, they could deliver it like Tuesday next week. And I was like, what? God, okay. I like really had to like sit there and think like, I can't compete with that. You know, like, I I wasn't, like, trying. I thought I was saving us some money by doing it ourselves, you know, obviously versus, like, a, a company making custom cabinets. Mm. But when it was, I think it ended up being $2,200. We don't have a very big yeah. kitchen, but I'm still going to make the fronts. We wanted to do some, like, bamboo fronts, and I'll still make those. But, yeah, all the boxes with all the hardware, it's, like, $2,200 for our kitchen. And I, that was, like, less than the material for the boxes that I was going to buy. 
Yeah. What what material we were you planning to make the carcasses from? I had some like apple ply because oh yeah. I did not need it to be that, but it was like available last August when I bought it. So I gotta resell that too, because it's been taking up storage space. <laughs> yeah. That's a quandary. I think you've made the right decision. For sure. Let's get it done. I've got a multitude of home projects that are hanging over me at the moment and some of them are cabinet making based. But yeah, I did I made I didn't go to the IKEA. I didn't stoop that low, but I, I did. Uh, <laughs> I, Sick burn by Jim. I did swap out plywood for a uh, Malamine chipboard for all my carcasses that I made last year for our lounge room base cabinets. Yeah. I was just such, such a joy to machine and it's like, flat and beautiful vacuum hold down and melamine and i edge banded it all on the contouro and installed it and it was great i do i do have to make some because of availability and not quite the right sizing i do have to i don't know what that system it's like a it's almost like lamello that they use you know with like the twist lock thing that goes in yeah i have to do some customization of a couple like pieces so i'm gonna try to replicate Mm. their whatever their system is, but because I have to cut the top and the bottom to like shorten a couple pieces. Cause like, I, uh, you're going to try and make parts that yeah work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know it. how that's going to go, but it's like that cabinet's like $66. So as like worst case scenario, I remake that cabinet, I guess. Yeah. Or buy another, yeah. I don't know. Try it again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the nice thing about base cabinets, right? You can kind of hack them up and put them back together again, and then by the time everything's yeah. boxed in, yeah. it's all hidden. I, I'd say that, uh, you know, I really wanted, I to, to be completely transparent, I really wanted to come out with this video, like, I made cabinets with yeah. Fusion, finally. Like, cause you have, I haven't really seen many people, like, accomplish it in a dynamic sense, and, like, Rob Lockwood has done some cool stuff, and I kind of copied his idea, and we were working on it kind of collectively because he's trying to build some stuff for his house too and yeah right okay and so uh, yeah it was kind of like a point of pride to like make something out of it and i still you know i still may try and do it on a smaller scale but i just kept running out of like juice on I'd, you know it'd be a weekend and be like oh i need to work on the cabinets and i just yeah, i no. do not want to open <laughs> fusion right now like do that all week so it's been really good like as soon as we decided we sat on the couch saturday and ordered it and i was like Oh, I don't have to think about that anymore. It's like yep. constant pressure that's gone. Yeah. Great. It's been nice. Good move. Focus on the business. Yeah. Yeah. No, Erin kept joking. She's like, I'm just going to go sneak in a request to Ricky and like have him make him on the side. And I was like, you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Did you make wow. much of the furniture for your home? Like cabinets nah, and things? Only a little. Only a little bit, because when it was my mother-in-law's house, mm. so Laura's mum's house, yep. uh, so it was basically fully furnished sure. when we moved in, and we've just made some minor changes yeah. since then. Makes sense. Or, yeah. But uh, my confession's nowhere near as exciting. Um, <laughs> I just, I think I hit my three-monthly limit, and I had to rebuild my to-do list on, on Monday. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which oh, I don't. I don't feel guilty about. <laughs> Feels good. Yeah. No, I love that. 
bankruptcy of task list stuff. Yeah. I'm back in workflowing. Are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. tended, like this week, I got stressed out by how many things I have to do. And it's like the place I dump my thoughts because you can reorganize it so easily. So I have this. Mm. And then I, like Ricky never uses it. We don't use it for business reasons. And I like yep. just shared him a link to it. I was like, here, this is what I've been <laughs> like planning with. I don't want to put it in an air table. Just look at this. Yeah. These lists. So easy. <laughs> yeah. So did you like copy everything over or start totally fresh and like disregard the uh, last I, I triaged and only copied what i felt was most important which wasn't very much <laughs> just dumped <laughs> the rest of it no i haven't deleted anything out of airtable i just yet another like skeleton archive of things that will now collect dust until yeah. i come crawling back to airtable in another three months having sure. got sick of workflowing mm-hmm. onwards yeah, I think it's just part of my process now. It's just quarterly to do reset. Well, I've been okay. I've been doing that since early college, you know, early university. Same. Mm. It's just I my brain hits a limit, and I like I can't process this anymore. I got to start a new list. <laughs> yeah, how we do it? You talking about machine setup before? I know it was when you're talking about the the draft angle on the iMac bases and custom tooling. I just had like quite a sort of visceral response of like, damn, I miss machining. Ooh, you're going to have to bring like a little desktop machine into your whole office <laughs> that you don't get to go it's out of. Cubby. Yeah. <laughs> you got a little Shapoko in there and make some draft angles. Yeah, I just need to be consistent with my R&D time. Yeah. Make sure I get out in that time slot and play on the tools. Yeah, I've been a bit slack this winter. Sure. Yeah, just need to get out there. The um, the pencil sharpener's kind of been my last bastion of production because I was yeah I've been the only one who can sort of program it. Other people have been running production parts on it, but I've been the only one that can make program tweaks and yeah write new programs and stuff. But I spent my R and D slot on Monday or Tuesday basically making a long another long handover video for John of like. This is how I take the code, from, you know, this is how I set up the code in Fusion. This is what I, how I modify the code in Visual Studio and how I send it to the machine. And then when that height offsets right, then bring it back and like modify the code like this and blah, blah, blah. So hmm. yeah, yeah. Slowly, slowly transferring the ability to program new parts to him. Should be cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, yeah, I just got to get that like five axis UMC in the corner and then that can be my new play thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, mm. that's the, well, the, depends on the size of parts. I think we talked about that before. You can get the, what are they, did they change their name? NC, Pocket NC is now Penta ah, Machining. Yeah. But that's, What's supposedly they're going to, Penta Machining or Penta Machines. Okay. P-E-N-T-A. Cool. Which I I'll never remember, probably now. Is that, that's the little five axis one that kind of looks like a mini uh, can. Yeah. 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 They're supposedly going to have it. This is honestly like, made i don't think i need to buy it i just want to see it it's an interesting idea i like to see new things mm. like that like um but they're supposedly going to have it at imts in chicago in the Ooh. fall which is like two months now away but i've been Are debating to go? debating whether to go because like the flights go up and down pretty yeah. pretty cheap honestly and cool. i need nothing really like it's just social 
something interesting yeah. and it's been so long since it felt safe to do any of that. Like you went, right? Yeah. 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 And they're supposed to, they're supposedly going to have one there. Sounds fun. Cool. That would be fun. I hope you make it. Yeah, me too. Well, we talked about a little bit last time, the chicken and egg sales person mm. hiring scenario. I'm curious. <laughs> you said you were potentially hiring and I'm always thinking like, I always want to be hiring for this, like A, to generate more sales, B, to take it off my plate. <laughs> like, I just want somebody else to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a funny one. I think there's a reason it's often the last position that business owners hang on to. Yeah, for sure. And yes, it's our intention to hire for this in the coming three to six months. But it's, I think, a massive challenge because, yeah, I don't know. Legacy sort of process speaking here, but like, I feel like I guess everyone probably feels like their process is special and hard yes. to replace, right? Yes. So <laughs> there's definitely that going on. So, you know, my version of that is I feel like our quoting process is so tied into our design process. So, like, mm. we're often designing a solution for someone as we quote it. Ah. That someone just doesn't come to us and go, we just, like, punch in numbers and go, oh, it's, like, roughly this big it'll be this much money it's like cool what's your what's your problem let's try and solve it together what's your budget okay cool then that probably puts you limits you to these materials or this size mm-hmm. thing and like yep. yeah i feel like design and quoting are very tied together currently yeah and so i find it hard to imagine how we could hire someone for the sales role who had doesn't have the same design background or skill set or you know yeah well there's there's that damning scenario i feel like you hear about often where the salespeople sold this job and the people that do the work (laughs) hate them you know and it's exactly what you're describing i think i would i would like to say i'm proud of the scenario the, the specialness i feel is that we don't have that disconnect because Mm-hmm. A, there's like two people right now, but I've always believed that there should be like everybody that's working on the job is responsible for it. It's not this handoff like salesperson yep. isn't responsible, you know, like they're as responsible as the person that does QC that it gets done right to me. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think that a lot of that's easy to say because I've never had more than four people to collectively, but. You know, once you get to 50, it's probably a different story, but I still think I still think I'd feel the same. I, I guess I've mm-hmm. semi-trained two people to do sales that had worked here for a decent amount of time. And they they were it was mostly like a secondary task for them. I still was doing the majority, but I was surprised at how quickly both of them caught on more than I thought they would. You know, like I've had the same yeah. we're special, I'm special feeling of like and I wrote down while you were saying that it's like the owner controls by owning sales because it's so true. It's like we can control what comes in that way as well as like profitability and all of the factors it, it I've, I've never not wanted to give it up. It's just, it seems really hard to give it up. Yeah. In terms yep. of like replacing all the skill set needed and just the, our history with it. Right. We've been doing it for that process was something we had to start with by our, by ourselves. Mm. And, learn and then perfect over so many years so yeah 
perfect. I've not perfected it. <laughs> when you say you've trained people to do sales, do you mean like front end engagement with customers or more like sort of back end of like crunching numbers? Both. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Very okay. minorly. I mean, I wish I would have kind of in, it just didn't seem like it made sense, but one person, one person was just kind of felt good. At, they really like to talk on the phone and talk to people and like communicate a mm. lot. And so I was like, Hmm, this seems like it could be a good fit. And did a lot of this good with numbers. So that worked out pretty well. Ended up not staying here very long for other reasons. But then the other person was because they, the pandemic hit and couldn't work in the shop anymore. So I was like, well, what can you do remotely? And I was like, how about some sales? Yeah. And they were very responsive to that because it was still a job. <laughs> and I, yep. in the end, it was like, they didn't really like it that much. And I don't know if they were that suited to it. So that's about all the farther I've gotten with it. Mm. Yeah, I think. My experience to date, when you said before, like we can control what the flow of work and control the profitability, that made me think about the fact that as an owner, I am much more likely to take risks when quoting mm. of like, oh yeah, we can do that. I don't know how we're going to do it, but I'll say yes, because I know I'm confident that we can do that. Yeah. As opposed to the support I've had in sort of quoting People who have helped me in that role typically are much more conservative, and that makes sense because they're sure. it's not, not theirs the to take owner. risks. Yeah, it's, it's not their their gamble, and so typically they're much slower, which makes sense because they're being more conservative, more conscientious of like, have I done all the things? Have I got all the parts on the sheet? Go back and check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool, got all the things. Like they're they're doing more cross checking, whereas. My flow is, I suppose, a bit more intuitive and a bit more loose, mm-hmm. bit definitely more risk-taking of like, yeah, yep. you know, it's roughly six sheets, cool, going to resolve that detail, but we'll work it out later. And then, and yet I do cop a bit of flack from production on stuff like that of like, sure. Jim, why didn't you think about this detail when you quoted? I was like, well, I thought we'd, we'll work it out. And we did work it out, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you figured it out. Good for you. <laughs> you did good but that's something that we've got i feel like we've gotten a lot better of recently as we've improved our sort of handover process so when we win a custom job say mm-hmm. it's you know cabinets for someone's lounge room or bookshelves custom bookshelves say if i've sold the project and i've been the one engaging with the customer and to designing it for them on the fly yeah as part of that sales process, I then make a screen capture video of mm-hmm. my sketches in Rhino and I give that screen capture video to Josh who typically details it in Fusion. Yeah. When Josh finishes detailing it in Fusion, he does another video which details it all for production. So for the machinist, for John yeah. who's machining it and people who might be working on processing and assembly and stuff like that. So as by doing those handover steps it kind of makes us more accountable to actually think about like as i'm screen recording i'll often pause i'll be like crap i haven't thought about that how do i actually articulate you know (laughs) what that detail is or how it's going to work yeah yeah. Um, where's the director (laughs) so it's made me a bit more accountable to those things which has been good yeah um but in short i don't know how are we going to find that person? Yeah, I uh, I haven't actively looked for somebody. I did, and that was this year, I think, at one point, to that different aspects, like 
I've never worked in sales. I've never worked mm. around, and known anybody to work in. I understand some of the concepts that are popular, but for example, would you consider a commission structure for those type of roles? As in, yeah, say this. I've never worked in sales either, so I barely know what that even means. Say, so do you mean commission like the person who sells a project gets a cut, like yeah. as a reward structure? Yeah, so it's a part of their pay. So it's incentivized to sell the problem with, you know, there's a lot of problems with that, both ways. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've thought about stuff like that too, but I guess it's something I've butted up against is like, cool. But then how do you tie that into that sort of bigger picture? Like you were saying before, like wanting to be responsible from sales right through to QC right. as a team, Yep, you could sell whatever for your commission if you're irresponsible. Yep and not care about how it was going to be made. Yep. I could be like quoting away going, well, sell, 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 sell. And then, you know, making a really hard time for my production team. So I don't know. Team. Yeah. We could start that thing where, I don't know if this is popular there, but like it's become pretty popular here with the pandemic where like when you're checking out like a restaurant or something, it'd be like, do you want to tip the staff? And it's like, yeah. we all share this, the tips. And it's like, maybe when our clients check out, they can tip all of our staff. <laughs> <laughs> like on their invoices. Do you want to tip your production people? <laughs> That'd be so weird. Yeah, incentives and rewards are a super interesting area, which I don't know much about. I've always been interested in like the profit sharing concept. I'd love, I think I've probably mentioned that here before, but like I'd love to learn more about that. And maybe if we continue in down this trend of actually making a profit, which uh, looks so far so good, looks okay, then maybe that's something we can invest, investigate. But yeah. Yeah. There's always, there's always the other angle of like pay people well to do a job well. That should be enough. So. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Got no answers on that one. The other side of the hiring for sales is I'm confident that I am stifling our potential for job shop work either by mm. there's like 16 ways. It's like, I don't respond quickly <laughs> enough. I don't quote. Yep. I quote so in the ways that I'm controlling all of the steps. I'm either overly confident or not confident enough in what we can do or the timeline, or I'm just personally stressed out about the business. And so then I'm like, you know, either quoting or responding or like pushing jobs off in different ways because I feel like we're busy, but maybe we're not. And it's like, as soon as you, I know for a fact, as soon as you take, it's just like production. It's like I, the person that does the production isn't as worried about sales, obviously. So their focus is on that one thing. They get that done way better than I could when I was splitting up my time 16 ways. It's like, it's got to be the same, you know, in some, some fashion that their like job is to call people and reach out. And like, I, I'm kind of bad at all those steps of like proper sales. Like I like to email people basically. And then after that, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I got to design something now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's part of my, feeling here is that I need to do some time where it's just me responsible mm. for sales completely. Oh, interesting. Um, partly to make myself more accountable. Cause there's, there's definitely a sense when I've got help with it of not being wholly accountable to our numbers. Yep. Yep. 
Whereas if I am leading that process and uh, and I'm wholly responsible for it, then I think that might help me sort of get over my fear of picking up the phone and my fear of like conversion rate numbers and actually analyzing yeah. what we're doing well and what we're not doing well and things like that. So it's kind of where I'm, my thinking is that I just need to take that whole piece of pie, really like run with it, take responsibility for it, and then ideally develop the processes around it to a point where there's enough structure and sort of clear process there that I can then find someone and go here this is how we do it this Mm -hmm. is our process and then so maybe then the role doesn't have to be so specialized it can be more sort of someone who doesn't have you know five years of sales experience on a small business it's just someone who's kind of aligned culturally and you can go cool you're a nice fit this is how we do it here off you go yeah, what I'm curious about having not come from sales is I want somebody to, in, in a lot of ways, teach me or teach us how to do it mm. well, how to go for it. And there's still, like you're saying, culture, there's like maybe things we, we think we do well, but I'm sure I'm doing things that push people away from, or I'm just not following up in the ways they want to, or yeah, I don't know. I'm very curious to see, to like hear them work, you know, almost in a sense, yeah. how they would tackle certain clients versus others or no no yeah it's definitely if you if you're out there and you want a job in this let us know <laughs> <laughs> i think uh, that my two biggest takeaways from things that have helped us lately have been qualifying harder so being much stricter about what, what our ideal job is yep and being much more thorough about actually picking up the phone to qualify <laughs> and also picking up the phone to follow up. So qualifying and follow-ups have made like a massive improvement in our conversion rate. And f- and follow-ups year. are specifically by phone. Yeah. Even if they didn't contact that way, like they yeah. said, a, huh, interesting. Yeah, Airtable form comes in, pick up the phone, send a quote via email, pick up the phone a week later. Jeez, yeah. And sort of, as long as you sort of control those expectations and say, as the quote gets emailed out, you say like, I'm going to call you in a week. I'm going to touch base next Tuesday. Mm. You sort of set those expectations. And I feel like people are very receptive and never have an issue with you calling them if you've sort of defined that. Do you have an idea Um, of, in these success stories of follow-up by phone, whether yeah. these are mostly businesses or are they also private parties? Oh, definitely. No, well, most of our customers are private parties. So, Oh, really? Both. Yeah, yeah, both. And the conversations in the follow-ups, you know, sometimes, yes, yes, there's plenty of awkward ones are just like, <laughs> doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> I don't but, like you. Oh, fine. But for the most part, no, there's nothing that bad. Nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um but the the conversations often lead to interesting tangents of like that okay that thing that we initially inquired about is kind of actually less important there's this other thing okay i don't have budget for that project right now but there's this other opportunity and so like that ah. stuff doesn't happen via email i find like those conversations i feel like only happen in person or on the phone so sure it's been pow- powerful and I am a person who really doesn't like picking up the phone to call ever. So it's been... Join the club. Another thing we're the same in. to get over myself with that. 
I had that thought actually yeah. this week, the last couple of days is I've just never liked phone calls ever. Like I just don't yeah. like, I feel like I'm trapped to be frank. Like I feel like I can't <laughs> do anything but be on the phone and I'm like, I have so much to do right now. Um, <laughs> I don't know why it's, I need to talk to my therapist about that apparently, but I've just always felt trapped and like, I had that realization like two days ago. I was like, damn it, Justin, just call people. This is stupid. Like, if this is the reason, like, you could succeed, why are you fighting this so hard? Yeah, I know that. It's just practice, right? Yeah. You said you use a lot of video chat type things. Is that after you've won jobs then with clients? Yeah. Yeah, typically I do. Lately, I've been doing a few more video cap to go with the quote as well to give more context around something oh nice oh um, that's smart so just show off a few details in rhino because typically i've drawn something as part of the quoting process and yeah. then get a pdf drawing that goes with their quote but then you know i just you know it comes back to my dislike for technical drawings i <laughs> there's not enough there's not enough in them so jump diving into a quick one minute video of zooming in and rhino and going this is what I was picturing for this detail. Yes, it's unresolved, but if we go ahead, this is my intention here, and we'll fix up that, and blah, 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 and just give it. That's smart. Know, I, two minutes of broad context. I was imagining some kind of, like, web app where it's, like, a drawing, but, but like, mm. in, let's say it's your style. It's, it's more whimsical or something, or less uh, standard drawing, and when you hover over a feature, it just your little bubble pops up and starts talking to you <laughs> about a, a detail. And then you go somewhere else and it's another gem I caricature. Cute. I like it. You've got gem mail. <laughs> I desperately need that uh, Kitaparts configurator though. Ugh. I'm quoting custom Kitaparts every day at the moment, which is great. I, did you get any farther so with that, nice that developer? People could do it. He's really busy. We're still yeah. in talks. Yeah. Next few weeks, maybe we'll make some progress. But yeah. Yeah. I did have the thought the other day of maybe we just need to hire like a hungry young games designer who can design a sort of Nintendo 64-esque emulator where you just drag and drop little yes. pixelated kit parts uh-huh. with some game music. Because we kind of want a game. Like, in terms of the functionality and drag and drop and interface, it's just a simple 2D game. It would How hard can it be? It would obviously have to be Tetris-based so they can never make any mistakes. Well, that's <laughs> what Ben said, like the parts <laughs> fall in from the top and you have to like... Yeah, yeah. you only get one shot. <laughs> Don't get them upside down. And it goes into your shopping cart and it's done. But we have chatted a little bit about your genius idea of just like printing out the components, having a little cardboard cutout kit i yeah for sure i yeah it's it's such good engagement you know like in a sense of being able to send somebody something like say you even charge them five bucks you know like to cover your cost if you needed to do that like so that people mm. wouldn't just willy-nilly order them all over the place and you're just throwing money away or you could just try it and see how it goes but if they wanted a little slower I was trying to make a joke about farm to table. So I wanted one of the little slower version of manufacturing. You could send them the kit and they could put it together and play with different parts and be pretty fun. Mm. It's got potential. Have you made any progress on your knack curations? I'm supposed to be working on that this week. I've 
banged my head against thinking about it a lot yesterday. No, I think I'm kind of resigned to put up a couple options for this show. Like we have a horizontal and a vertical for this display we made. And cool. then we're also bringing this weird thing that Ricky made that holds parts and goes in our bathroom to keep parts clean. It's a, it's a drying yeah. rack that has the knack wall on it. We're going to bring that. So it'll be like the offload station. So if people are interested, they can take stuff off of their rearrange one on their own and i'm either gonna just take photos or like set up a camera and like keep track of what people are either doing and then interface with them and i'm hoping that i'll have some way to just price everything and just say all right well this would cost this are you interested kind of thing or i can email you i can call you back with this detail in a way When you say interface with them, do you mean talk to them? Yes, like a like a yes. creep. Yes, like a like a like the AI that you are. I would like to interface with you now about Nackwall. <laughs> sales with Justin and, <laughs> and Jen in the morning. Have a steaming hot cup of sales, please. Speaking of steaming, it's eighty one in here, and I need to do some machining, so I should probably yeah. jump off today. We're an hour. And- hour and ten on the clock so hopefully yeah. our new recording session works we'll find out hopefully if you heard this it worked somehow <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have to disconnect so three times go and make some aluminium chips yes yeah aluminium. i can't share this one but i can share the fixture for it it's very boring cool <laughs> cool. cool cool all right well I'll catch you later catch you later bye bye Turns off the the radio in the corner. Wait, is that a gramophone? I can't hear you. Uh, check my sound settings. <clears throat> past. Nothing. Health check passed. We've both passed our health check.